to In The Clock End, an Arsenal podcast with me, Steve. And as always, I'm joined by Dublin's finest. Calvin, how are you, mate? Hello, mate. I'm all good, thanks. I was Chippenham's finest last week, so uh, Dublin's finest this. What are we going to be next week? Depends where I am, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm all, I'm all well, Steve. How are you? Keep my... I'm all right, mate. Living, living, the, living the lockdown dream, as I say every week. We're still in the lockdown. I'm still living it. Yeah. But what a Never time to be alive, mate. Unbelievable times to be alive. Unbelievable. Let's just jump straight into the football. Arsenal-Newcastle, 3-0 to the Arsenal. Four wins out of five in the league. Things yeah. are looking a little bit brighter now. Yeah, definitely looking a bit more rosy than it was. Um, be Chelsea. I think Chelsea's the... You know, that's our point, isn't it? Where we started to turn the corner. Um, like we said last week, I still think we're in the corner. Because I think... I mean, look, we, we saw how poor Newcastle were against us in the FA Cup. To be honest with you, I don't know whether you agree, but I thought they were, and it was a low bar anyway, I thought they were worse against this in the league than they were in the Cup. They offered nothing during that 90 minutes, if I'm perfectly honest. Um, even though we were poor in that first half, I didn't once feel that we would lose the game unless it would have been to, you know, a set piece or something like that. Or, you know, you'll see some games when it's nil-nil and teams will go at you. Uh, for that last five minutes. There was none of that, obviously. And look, the game was dead um, in the last 10 minutes in, in this particular fixture. They were poor, weren't they? Yeah. I saw a tweet from a Newcastle fan who said, um, I can't remember the last time I actually looked forward to watching Newcastle United play, which really sums up um, mm. how they're feeling. They are so poor. Um, yeah, like like you said, first half, first off, we were pretty poor. But I never looked, we never looked like losing the game, did we? No. Um, and to be honest, you could argue that we, we could have probably been ahead in the first half. Uh, Bamiang came very close. But I think that first 45 minutes was very reminiscent of games gone by in recent times. It, it yeah. felt a bit like uh, you know Burnley, Crystal Palace. We, we just sort of lacked that that sharpness in mm. around the area. But mm. there was always that potential. And then, I don't know what Arteta said to him at half-time, but it, we, we saw a great response. And I think yeah. I think Lacazette set set the tone with that early opportunity. Great strike, unlucky, yeah. Yeah, really lucky with that. And then let's just jump straight into Aubameyang's goal and the, and the pass from Thomas Partey. Um, I know I know you love to you love to talk about fast counter attacks. It's funny, yeah. That's exactly what I was going to jump on because you said what did Arteta say at half time? And if it that's the only message it could be, um, it's what we've been screaming out pretty much all season. Really, it's move the ball quicker from back to front you will then have spaces to be able to go and uh, capitalise on. Um, all too often do we speak during a game, before a game, after a game and say, Jesus, we're just moving the ball so slowly. Um, a lot of sideways where, you know, you drop in Thomas Partey into that simple field. He's not the only one that's capable of it, uh, capable of it, should I say. Um, but yeah, he, you know, some good, good movement in the middle. He was under pressure and then he plays that ball quickly. And I think I said it to you in last week's pod, Aubameyang's a low-touch player. He likes to run into the space, similar to Jamie Vardy. I know you didn't like the comparison because Jamie Vardy's an arsehole. That's, that was exactly what I want. That, I think a lot of us look at that and think, Aubameyang's got pace, utilise it. And um, we haven't done that enough. And, you know, look, look what happens. Uh, we come out of the, the blocks quick in that second half. But, you know, within the first five minutes, we've done something that we've been looking to do um, over the last few games. And it results in a goal. And it was great to see... Aubameyang driver a defender like that properly. We've seen him half do it over the last number of weeks, but it was great to see him drive with pace, 
like we were used to seeing, you know, it was reminiscent of the, the cup semi-final goal, I believe, against Man City, where that's why he's useful on the left. That's that's what we want. And it was a good finish. And do you know what? I was really happy to see that goal going, not just from an Arsenal perspective, but just for the player himself. Um, because, you know, we'd seen recently his work ethic. You can't you can't knock it. And it's just a case of, look, if we, you know, with two goals off the back of it, if we can get that guy firing for the, the second half of the season, that's, that's going to put us in good stead for the rest of the year. It's almost like a new sign. I thought it was fantastic to finish. What I loved about it was you were sort of expecting him to put it on his other foot because mm. that's what we're so used to. Mm. We're, so, we're so accustomed to seeing him do that, yet mm. keeps it on his left. I mean, that's it's not the easiest to, uh, angle by any means, and he makes it look so easy. It was, it was a absolute that. rocket. And, and like you said, touching upon Thomas Partey, mm. that came out of nothing. Just picks it. I think it was Lacazette who won the ball back. Mm. I don't want to criticise anyone, but I think if that's happening to any or Xhaka, that ball is not going to Aubameyang. Of course it's not. Because we, we've got a number of players who are adverse to taking risks um, in games. And to be honest with you, look, if that ball doesn't come off for Aubameyang, I don't have a problem with that because it's it's the intent. It's the intent that you're looking for. It's I want to see players, again, take the... You know, I use this word frequently every week. I think it's take take the risk to to go and create opportunities or taking the opportunity to exploit, you know, certain areas of the pitch like that when it becomes available. And when we've got the pace to be able to do it, we should be doing it more often. And I get sometimes that's not always the way you want to play. You want to, you know, have the pretty goals where we build up from the back. And that happened, you know, um, with the second goal, I thought it was good football and it was a, a more simple finish. Um, the classic Man City goal is how I refer to that. You know, the cut back from from the byline and someone just slots it in. Um, we've seen that so often um, from that team. But yeah, it was it was great. It was great to see us, you know, really kick on in that second half because, you know, like you said, that first half was an extension of games gone by and it was purely an extension of the game the week before um, against Palace where it was incredibly flat. Um, so it was great to see us come out uh, firing in the second half, for sure. I think at 1-0... I felt like it was done, done and dusted. I never, I never felt like we were in any danger of losing the game from there. It, it's crazy how, how, you know, we, we all talk about football as a game two halves. So it really was because at half time there was this, this real sense of dread. Like I said to you um, during the game, I don't think we necessarily were playing that badly in the first half. No, I don't, I don't think, you know, we were that dire. We just sort of lacked uh, that final spark and. It's incredible to see what we're capable of when we when we are playing um, at our best. Listen, I know mm. it's only Newcastle, and mm. you, you could argue this for Newcastle, um, Brighton, West Brom. These are all sort of subpar teams, but you can only beat who you're up against. So, mm. and I, and I think you know, these are the games where we're more likely to struggle because when we come against these teams, we play the low block. The best way to beat Arsenal is sit deep, part of the bus for ninety minutes, and try and nick a goal on the break or from a set piece. You know, the way we've been playing um, in, in those bigger games, they haven't been the concern since Arteta's taken over, really. We've massively improved against the bigger sides. It is the, the mid to lower sides, like you say, where we struggled um, trying to break down the low block. And that's when you need to, to change your approach and quicker passing game than what we have been. It's all about getting that first goal. You get that first goal mm-hmm. and you want to win it. If you, if you go behind, you're screwed. Mm-hmm. It's like Tottenham. They get they get that early goal. It's game over because they know yeah. this. They sit back all game, soak up the pressure, give us the ball, and then nick and then, then they nick a second goal on the break again. Mm. And that's been our weakness this season. Um, so it's great to actually see us winning this sort of game. I know yeah. it's only Newcastle, but uh, I think these these games are 
are equally as tough as playing the likes of City and Liverpool. Um, and as well, let's not you know, Newcastle did recently draw with uh, Liverpool, so mm-hmm. they're not they're not necessarily a, a walkover. I think the same happened before West West Brom drew with Liverpool as well before we played them, and that that just really goes to show the competitive nature of the Premier League in in the modern era. I think you know I've been supporting Arsenal for thirty years, and it, you know gone are the days where you would happily roll up on a Saturday and see who you were playing up. That's that's a banker. Yeah, home win all day long. Um, I think those days are gone because the the golfing quality uh, between sides is so small now. I think. Sports science has come on so far, thanks to Arsene Wenger's introduction all those years ago. But you think that's a, 1996 was a long, long time ago. Um, yeah. Going back to what I said last week about when we played like teams like Palace and Newcastle, usually they'd yeah. rock up and nine times out of ten, Arsenal would push them aside. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that's just a reflection of football and where we are. And I think not having any fans in the ground really affects that. What's crazy about this league is you know, a few weeks ago, we were sat above the relegation zone. We're only... Mm-hmm. Two points behind Chelsea, and we're only seven off Liverpool. They've got a game in hand, which is mm. mad though when you think about it. Mm. Isn't that crazy? How the league's I- been just bonkers, hasn't it, so far this season? I mean, crikey, Man United are top. I know City can go top with their game in hand, and I do think City will probably go on to win the league this year. I think they've really found their feet over the last. Do you one. think, or do you hope they'll win the league because you don't want United to win it? Do you know what? And I'll be a bit uh, controversial. Some people definitely won't agree with this. I doubt you will. I'd rather Man United won it than City. Oh, fuck that. And the reason being is just, it's purely from a footballing perspective. Because I, you know, the likes of Man City and Chelsea, they look, Chelsea, I think you could maybe argue, who knows? Because no, they were always, you know, being in London is always a plus. It is. Um, it's a selling point for foreign talent, for sure. Uh, and they were kind of on the cusp of coming up when they got bought. But City would never be where they are today without money. It's as simple as that. And if anybody wants to argue differently, fine. My earliest memory of Man City was when we beat them like 5-1 at Main Road. Yeah, I remember that. 2002. We absolutely yeah. ripped them a new one. Um, it's interesting. Um, my fiance, <laughs> as I have to recall her, because she'll be listening to this. Good life. One of her best mates... Uh, lives up in Cheshire. She's a huge City fan, and I always give him so much stick. I call him Little City. I'm like, shouldn't you guys be uh, back in League One playing Gillingham in the playoff final? <laughs> League One, yes. Well, Division Two is called back. Division then. Two. Yeah, back I mean, you you day, forget yeah. how far they actually fell at a point. It was uh, insane, to be perfectly honest. I get a bit sicker than winning, but then mm-hmm. the frustrating thing is we're not up there. And that's ultimately where I want to be. I don't want to be saying I'd rather they win the league or I'd rather they win the league. I want to say I want Arsenal to win the fucking league. Yeah, for sure. We're, or at least be competing. Um, off the I, pace. So you, you sort of stuck, stuck in a rock and a hard place. If, I don't want is. to win the league, but yeah. I'd rather Leicester, the likes of Leicester or City or Liverpool even win it over mm. Tottenham or Man United. Because I can't stand Man United. And well, I think Tottenham Man United, are never going to push on. Wow. If Man United won the league, they'd, they'd be unbearable. I think people have forgotten how annoying their fans are and unbearable they are when they're doing well. And I, and I think it would be criminal if Man United won the league because, yeah, they are doing really well. And listen, you can't knock their position. They're there on merit. Yeah. But they're, not, they're, not, they're not the best Man United team. Yeah. Um, and I, think oh, yeah I agree. Poor, that's a very poor show. But listen, we, we are actually only at the halfway stage. 
So it's a yeah, long... we are bang halfway, aren't we? Now at 19 games, and we're bang average at 10 10th in the table. <laughs> I know Villa have got three games in hand on us, but what's incredible is, and we talked about this before, and it's all well and good talking about hindsight. But let's say you look at those that run of games where we, where we couldn't get lucky. Let's mm. say we win two or three of them. Mm. We do right up there as well, which is incredible because when when you think about people say Arsenal are years away from competing and we're a few transfer windows from being where we need to be, which is true. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. It's, a reflect, it's a real reflection on the league when, you know, to a couple of these results, we we, we could have got maximum points. We'd be mm. maybe third or we could be third, fourth or fifth. Do you know what I mean? Which is yeah. mental. That's the difference a few wins can make though, isn't it? Arteta's mentioned so many times about fine margins. That's your fine margin. Right well, football is, football is won by fine margins. People talk about it often. But that's, that's the sport. Mm. You know, you win games 1-0, you win games by 2-1, you get the decisions go for you. That, that's, that's, that's the nature of the beast. Yeah. Let's get back to the game uh, a little bit. Any performances that stood out for you? One that I was pleasantly happy with afterwards, and I'm not getting on any hype train here, don't get me wrong. Um, we love the hype train. Cedric, at right back, I thought was really solid. Um, and it made me instantly think of the conversation we had about Kieran Tierney the week before. And it's like, look, I don't want backup in every position. I do think for, you know, the fullbacks workload is incredibly high. It's higher than probably most in the squad. If you had someone of Cedric's ability covering for Kieran Tierney, it would make you feel quite happy, right? Because, look, I thought it was sensible. I said it before, I thought it was sensible to, to rest um, Bellerin for the game. And I'd like to be able to see Tierney rested for the certain games as well. Um, I do think we need a natural left back to do that. Kalasnach wasn't that guy. He, he definitely needed to go. He didn't look, at times, honestly, he didn't even look like a professional footballer, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, but I would like, I'm not asking for top quality. I just want someone who can do a solid job as a backup. Much like Cedric's done so far this season for, for Bellerin when called upon. Yeah, he, he had a really good game, didn't he? I was really impressed with, with Cedric. Um, he was really getting up and down the lines. Yeah. And he, he, looked, he looked dangerous and he was just getting into the right areas of the pitch, I think. We talked about it with Ainsley last week. When you're given yeah. these opportunities... You, know, you you have to step up and sort of make your play and say and, and say to the manager, this is why I should be in the team. And I think he, he did that. Yeah, he did. And, and that's all you can ask. Yeah, like you said, that's all you can ask. He's, yeah, no, yeah, it, was, it was really nice to see that, actually, because we do have the conversations often about these fullbacks. And I thought he, he did a really good job um, and, look, and looked solid. I thought defensively, don't get me wrong, Newcastle didn't offer much, but I thought we looked pretty no. good. One thing... It's not really a criticism. It's just more of an observation. You touched upon it as well. How many touches does David Louise need to have on the ball? He slows the play down so much. It, it's really frustrating. Release the ball, David. Release yeah. the ball. Yeah, I've listened to a couple of other podcasts. You just say David Louise will always play the game at his own pace, not the game that's uh, not the pace that the game is required of him. Yeah, it's it, it, it is part of that overall problem that we spoke about about seize, you know seizing the opportunity to to break at pace. Uh, and utilise the space before the opposition gets defensively set, especially when we play at home. It's, you just see it far too often. Um, we saw it quite a lot in that first half. I think I remember saying to, to yourself and maybe a couple of others that just break faster. I mean, I don't know how many times we have to keep playing it sideways. And then literally, within a few seconds, you could see Newcastle's shape. It was there. It was in their own half. It was like looking at the graph that we're looking at here in the middle of our screen. I know it was the old school four four two. Yeah, no. And sometimes around. it was going to a. There was five at the back. You could just see it, and it was. It's so hard to break that down. And um, you know these players, you know they are drilled week in, 
weak out defensively for stuff like this when they play teams that are supposedly in inverted commas better than them. You can um, see you can see what they're trying to do. Yeah. They came to us in the FA Cup and it, you know, it took us 120 minutes to get the win. So yeah. I think their sort of mindset was let's try and nick a draw. And on, on another day they probably could have. Um, but it is yeah very very hard to watch that sort of style of football. I must say. Um, yeah, that gave me some confidence though when I was watching the game even before as well actually because. You know, they, I think they would have had some confidence coming from that FA Cup performance, and they look how they did over 90 minutes. But the one comforting fact I really had was our team will be better, as in just the starting 11. And, um, you know, you had Thomas Partey in there. Um, I really I mean, like that we've sort of moved away from five at the back now. Like Arteta's sort of, hmm. he's a lot more confident in, in playing the, kind of the 4 2 3 1 system, which I think actually really works for us. Hmm. I've never really liked the the kind of fourth, the four three three with a false nine. I'm not really a massive mm. fan of that. But the, the the key indicator is that ten. You know, Emerson Smith yeah, Rowe's playing in that ten role at the moment. Like since he's come in, and I don't know whether it's just coincidental or not, but Lacazette looks like a different player. There's and also Granit Xhaka does as well to a certain extent because there's two people now around him which he can rely on more. I think Lacazette was being asked way too much of him. To join. You remember he's he was kind of piled in that in that position where Smith-Rowe was playing for a while in a couple of games. He just looked knackered, didn't he? Yeah, knackered. He was coming off on the hour pretty much every game because he's done. When it's, you know, you look at your fullbacks, it's constant up, down, up, down. Whereas with a striker, it's or anybody who's playing in that final third to a degree, it's short, sharp bursts. Um, and if you ask a striker of his calibre um, and his kind of physique to to keep running for you on, the, on a consistent basis, when he does eventually get the opportunity to then utilize a bit of space and he needs that short sharp burst he might not have it in his tank um and that's i just feel he was never in positions where he should be but going on back to sorry the the granite jacket piece i'm really excited to kind of see the partnership develop between him and thomas party um it's funny isn't it because jacket for me i mean and again look you can't help but think how poor newcastle were in the game but maybe and again maybe it's something similar we've done with him over the years I mean, if you look at who's played in that centre with him over the last few seasons, it's not been great. They've not been great players. And have we been asking too much of him? Possibly. My only concern is, put it like this, given the choice end of the season, would you offload him or would you keep him? I think Arteta rates him highly and I think he'll stay. But I just feel I feel like we fall into that trap every season of mm. he, he has a good run in the team mm. and we sort of, okay, you know what? He's playing well, great, crack on. And then before we know it, he's back to his old ways and we're sort of banging our head against against the wall again with him. Do you know yeah. what I mean? No, I completely know what you mean. And I think ask me that question come the end of the season, we'll have our answer. It's consistency. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm going to look for. And I think if party stays fit till the end of the season, that's your that's your the strongest um sentiment pairing that we have. Yeah. It, it, it is. So if we can see consistency from Xhaka when he's at next to party from now until the end of the season, I would keep him. I, I really enjoyed his redemption as much as I hated the fallout to begin with. He is a human being. Um, but at the same time, you know, I think any of us, if we were in that position, would get pretty pissed off, regardless of how much you love the club. You know, if I <laughs> put yourself in those shoes, if we were good enough to play for Arsenal playing centre mid and your club's coming down and you're like, that That would hurt, right? Yeah, you no. take offence to it. I, um, just on that, I, I don't think Arsenal Fan TV, um, AFTV, as now as it's now called, really helped with that. Because I remember after the game, they were all coming out going, Jacka should never play for the club again. It is disgusting. And I think 
for people like you and me, you take it with a pinch of salt. And I was annoyed with Xhaka that day. And I thought, I was very much on the fence. Like you see, you see it from both sides. He, it's like the other situation, you know, neither, neither party is really helping himself. No, no um, absolutely. But, you know, where people are very easily led down, down, you know, down a path. And I think when you've got such big sort of social media outlets like ASTV and whatnot on YouTube and stuff and Twitter, people sort of jump on that hate wagon and the hate he experienced from that was disgusting. Like he was getting death threats. I think his wife was getting awful remarks about his kids. Right, so his kids yeah. yeah. It just, and it's just, don't get me wrong. I think his performances weren't great. Uh, and yeah, they haven't been great at the best of times, but you know, you sort of leave it, leave it at the football ground. You can boo a player. That's just part and parcel. You know, that's, that's the nature of the, of the game. You mm-hmm. boo players, you, you jeer players. But to then take it on social media, and to be honest, credit to him for staying because if I if I had that much hate, I'd have been like, you know what, I ain't playing for this club anymore. I, it, I, be, it would have been as simple. And he said it twice. Fuck you. And you know what, I didn't have a problem with it at the time because I just think that is a it's an emotional human response. I've got no issue with that because you know it's cliche, isn't it? But you always judge a, a person when they're when they're at the lowest point. Look at how that bloke's come back. You can't argue that. And one thing that always I always think about Granite Xhaka is, look, you can obviously see his flaws. And I do think we've probably asked too much of him from a mobility point of view. We know he's not good at getting around the pitch. Thomas party isn't. It then requires less of Xhaka. But back to the redemption, like you really judge someone at their lowest and he's come back firing. Um, opinions differ in everyday life. They opinion between us, even though we all want the same outcome. Um, I've always just been a supporter first don't get me wrong you'll know this i love getting involved in all the other stuff finances as you like to take the piss out of me um because i think it's it is key to be perfectly honest listener you can't see this but calvin's actually got a a massive whiteboard just to the right of him with just numbers down equations equations equations. (laughs) literally loves it um he's the math teacher i definitely don't think that but it's, it's important to kind of touch upon but yeah, with AFTV, I just think have an opinion. And I have watched videos over time. I don't know this sounds ridiculous. I've actually watched them for my own entertainment when we lose because I just think sometimes, well, actually a lot of the time, a lot of the people that appear on AFTV are just so over the top with their response. I'm like, if you actually just said, because sometimes I, I would sit there and go, you're coming across as a complete tit because I've never seen a grown man get so emotional about a game of football. Um, and if you kind of take that step back and really hard to do actually, but listen to some of the points that are made, they're actually valid. It's just the way they're delivered. is just so poor. And like you say, the hate that comes out and then you get the, it's like you're trying to push your own agenda a bit too much. On oh, that um, Here's a question for you without, without sort of we'll keep it quick. Um, hmm. Everything has its day. Everything has its moment in the sun. Mm. Yeah, today's newspapers are tomorrow's chip papers. Do you think there will come a time where that sort of the fan channels will sort of really sort of not completely go? Because I don't think it will ever go. But I think there will, there will come a point where people just aren't interested anymore. Because things change. Things move. Like, you look at reality TV. I remember, for example, mm. I remember like The Only Way is Essex and, and kind of Made in Chelsea. I don't watch any of those, but, you know, you... You're aware of them, like Love Island, these sort of things. They six months, twelve months down the line, people don't care anymore. Do you reckon that will happen? Hard to know. Good, good question. Because um, even if you look at social media, how it's evolved over the last ten years, and how many new platforms are available, 
I'd say it's very possible that it might change. The YouTube aspect, though, I mean, YouTube's been around for a long time, hasn't really changed. It's just got more and more popular. Um, the way we consume media is a lot different than what it would have been. Um, you know, our attention spans are a lot shorter than they ever were, all this kind of stuff. And that's why Snapchat was, Snapchat News was such a kind of cool thing. I'm not a fan personally. But even Snapchat, that sort of something I used to have a few years ago. I always give any of my friends who are over there, who are over there, you're like 25 grief if they've got Snapchat. One of my best mates, mm. he's 28 and he still uses Snapchat. And I'm like, Matty, what are you doing, mate? you're too old to be using snapchat he needs, he needs to tell him he needs to have a quiet and he's got a fiance as well so it's like he's not even sending willy pictures anymore willy pictures. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what he's doing with that it's just a bit weird um yeah no, like, I, I think if it has its day and for most Arsenal fans i speak to most people say they don't particularly like it the problem um, is it makes money it's as simple as that and it's the net you know you said we all know it. it's the negativity which creates the money for them um and it would be, whether we like it or not, football fans about taking a piss out of other football fans. Half the, you know, it's half the bit we love is the banter and all that sort of stuff. So it's not one for me. I'd never go looking at anybody. I know there are other channels out there. I think Man United have one. I, I there's a really funny clip that circulated a while ago. Some guy, obviously after the game, I don't know who they, I think it was Newcastle United. Um, and the bloke's voice is like, I'll try and find it. I'll send it to you. If anyone else has seen not it. Not the true Geordie, is it? It might be, a, no, I think it's a United fan and we've been shouting a lot throughout the game so his voice is gone when he's doing this, this interview. Is it the guy this. from Stratford Paddock? It's just some random, like on AFTV, they'll obviously, they have their, their own little click, but they'll have a few randoms that obviously come on every now and again. Uh, I think it's just one of these, same sort of situation. Uh, and the bloke's voice is just squeaky, it's gone. Oh, it's, he's so angry as well, but it just makes it seem it. better. It's like... You know, similar when troops or DT uh, oh, when they lose God. their shit. I just I can't listen to them. It's just like you're grown men. Like have an opinion, that's fine. But to get so angry and just push your own anger onto other people because that's what you're effectively doing because you have a good following, um, and you do I hate the term influences, but unfortunately you do influence a lot of youth uh, because they like the way you are. They'll you know they'll join in with your opinion. And they'll join your agenda, which again, look, you can have your opinion. Just, there's just no need to go and push your opinion onto someone else. And if they disagree with that opinion, so what? Like, honestly, it's just a game of football. I mean, and... it is their own. I mean, they get a lot of stick from other fans and Arsenal fans. So, mm. I, you know, I wouldn't want to be doing it. Looking ahead to the weekend, we've got Southampton away in the FA Cup. Shout out to Gav Keddy. Some of you may have him on Instagram. He actually works at Southampton. Funny story, which I absolutely love. He gets all his Arsenal shirts printed in the Southampton club shop. <laughs> Isn't that brilliant? Yeah, that is good. And do you know what? I've done this once before, by the way. Obviously not at a stadium, but over here in Dublin. Look, the two biggest clubs supported over here are Man United and Liverpool. And that's the question I'll ask lads when I meet them. Is I don't ask them who they support. I say, who do you support, Man United or Liverpool? A, a or B. It is basically that black and white sometimes over here. Um, but there's a Liverpool supporters club. Uh, sorry, not Liverpool supporters club. Sorry, there's a Liverpool club shop. No way. Here. And I took a shirt there once to get it printed up. And they Arsenal, did it. Of course they did. It's money. That's good. Of course they did it. That's the only time I've ever done it. Uh, or actually, no. Tell a lie. I remember when I was really, really young. I got um. You remember the Dramberg goalkeeper shirt, the 3D version. It was with this big, big star in the middle. Oh yeah, yeah. I yeah. got that printed at Norwich City. I think I went there to watch Arsenal play. Yeah, really random. Really random. It's money, isn't it? At the end of the day. Of course it is. It's actually really hard now because I used to get all my shirts done at like back in the day, like a 
JJB Sports, and they've all gone. Yeah. And they were DW, now they've all gone. So there's literally nowhere that you can get shirt printed now unless you send it off or you take it to the club shop. Um, anyway, yeah, back back to to the to the game in hand. Um, how how do you feel about uh, the game? Because we've got a bit of a double header. We play them on the weekend in the cup, and then we've got them in the league. Yeah, I hate as as you know, I hate these double headers when they come along. It seems to happen to us a lot. I know. Look, I only really pay attention to Arsenal, so God knows if it happens to others. But you know, we just played Newcastle back to back, pretty much. Now we're going to go and play Southampton back to back. How do I feel about it? Really hard one. Um, like most of our games, it really is sometimes you're going to toss the coin and see where we land. Um, weirdly, I'm a little more confident going away from home just purely because we've been a bit better away from home than we have at home this season. Southampton are a decent side. Um, you know, they were flirting with top four there for a while. Like basically anyone could flirt with top four at this point, I think, to be honest. But looking at where they are, they're, you know, they're sat above us two points ahead with a game in hand. Um, they beat us at the Emirates recently enough, if I'm correct, um, in that terrible run. Unfortunately, Walcott scored. We drew one all. Right. So, Bamiang scored and then um, Jacker got sent off, didn't he? No, was it Jacker or was it Gabriel? Gabriel, Gabriel. yeah, he took down Walcott. Yeah. It was one all. We, we sort was of it one all? Yeah, it was one all and we were dominating the game and then Gabriel got, got a second yellow mm-hmm. and then we sort of hung on. Because yeah. that would have been like our fifth defeat in a row. Going into this game, I, I imagine we're going to see the likes of Willian and Pepe. But I think we've got a big enough squad for, for rotation. Um, and like you said, away from home, I'm always quite confident, actually, away from home. And I think it's going to be an interesting game. I imagine there's going to be no replay. So No, it won't. It'll be... Extra time, the penalties. Depends like it was against Newcastle, if possible. But it'll be also be interesting to see how, how seriously Southampton take it and whether they're going to... Because they're obviously going to be wary of the league game as well. I'd be I'd be very surprised to see Thomas Partey. Um, I was just going to ask him that. Yeah, I think he'll I... be on the bench, and, and I think we'll probably see Eddie, and I think we'll see maybe Martinelli, and I think defensively, maybe maybe he'll bring Gabriel in, David Luiz, we, uh, and Ainsley Maitland Niles. Hopefully, Leno in goal. I don't I don't really see why we need to swap the keeper. And just quick shout out to Leno, five clean sheets in a row. I think that will finally put to bed the Martinez debate. Um, it will never be put to bed. Put it to bed. <laughs> Shut up and put it to bed, everyone. <laughs> yeah, look, it's, it's a redundant conversation. Comparisons will always naturally be made. But yeah, but I think Leno's been top class. He's always been top class. It's just when Martinez did come into that short period of time, he was phenomenal. Yeah. And that was the only problem. But because, you know, when he got injured, we were all worried about, shit, we need to go and buy a goalkeeper. Like now. Um, and then literally a few months later, we're like, oh, Maybe we should sell Leno if we can. Like, you know, that was how quickly things changed. And I think it's never the fact that Leno was a poor keeper. He's fantastic. Great shot stopper. One of the best. Very um, reliable. Does a job, mate. Does a but job. I think, yeah, with the game, I think we will see changes. Um, I think we'll see changes from both sides. But I do think we'll see, and again, this is me being incredibly optimistic, I think we'll see a good game, actually. Because, you, you know, if you look at where both teams are on the table, ninth, tenth, bang in the middle, both are safe from relegation, I think, this season, to be honest with you. And that's... Nice for Southampton to be in that position. No offence to them. Sometimes they are down there and struggling. You know they're in a good position themselves. Um, they're a good team, on. but let's not let's not let's not pretend that you know we aren't a better side across the board. No, absolutely not. But it's the way you apply your talent on a, on a match day, and they've been doing that really, really well um, this season. Because you know Southampton have been that club that have over the years really struggled. You know they've always been lower half of the table, sometimes scrapping relegation. You know, for me, I've always seen them as a Premier League team. You know, I've, I've said it to a couple of guys. I used to love going down to the Dell. 
Um, you know what? It's, it's it, I was gonna. It's incredible to think they're down down League One not so long ago. They're there for a while as well. Yeah. Um, it's a real shame fans can't be there because uh, obviously for FA Cup tie you get a bigger allocation, so we'd have probably had the whole of the, the stand, yeah. and it would have been such a good away day. I've never been down there. Um, that's a shame. Been there twice. Good 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 day on the beers. You'd be in the toilet, mate, with that peanut bladder. I'm never in the toilet, mate. Yeah, being yeah. sick. I've never been sick, if that's what you're insinuating. No, not being sick, mate. Just having about 20 pisses. There's nothing worse, is there? When you've had a couple of beers on match day and it's freezing cold. That's a bad combination. And then with the nerves of a game as well. Ikey. You know what? I love getting on that train, like the crack of dawn, getting on that first train in the morning. And it's this is obviously pre-COVID. And it's full of families and like people going for days out. And you're there like half seven, eight o'clock with like yeah. a box of lager. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yeah, you look so out of place. It's funny how you say about trains. That used to be my experience. But now it's early red-eye flights from Dublin over to, to whatever part of the country. The backpack of Guinness, right? It's crazy, though. You see... I have a lot of respect for the Irish lads who support English clubs because the following for a lot of teams massive. Like you get on these early morning flights and if you're going to somewhere central like Manchester or Birmingham or even London, obviously, because there's so many clubs, there's lads going to watch Leeds, Villa, United, Liverpool. I've seen Berry fans. I don't think they're even a team. Did they not fold recently? And they did, yeah. um, there's so many supporters that go over and they're so committed and they're season ticket holders. But it is only an hour, though, like in the flight. It, the flight, I think it's less than an hour in most cases. Yeah, it is. It's, I mean, right, you can get to Liverpool in 35 minutes from Dublin. That's um, mental. On, on a quick flight. But the problem with flying is it's to get in there before. It's not like a train where you can just rock up and get on a train and off you go. You know, you've got to be there, the classic, maybe an hour. I try, I've literally, I leave flights as late as possible these days, an hour. But even then, it's still an extra hour. But the problem with flying is you have to get these early flights because you've got to commit to a flight um a lot earlier than you would a train yeah that's true so sometimes you don't know what time kickoff's going to be so you'll book a flight early in the morning and then you'll get the last one back and i think i told you recently i went over to a uh, arsenal united game at old Trafford a few seasons back and i did that where i went over early wasn't due to come back until god knows what time um and the, the kickoff ended up being at half 12 so i it was so cold i was like i'm not i have just not asked going for pints or anything like that in manchester so i just thought I'm going to the airport. I'm going to see if they can put me on an earlier flight. And they did. And I was home. Jobs are good. In. From half, half 12 kickoff. I got home at five o'clock in Dublin. That's banging. Back, a, in a, back, a, back home for in time for X Factor. <laughs> Love the X Factor. You know what? It's, it's interesting because when, obviously, sort of, you know, life returns to some sort of normality, which, you know, undoubtedly it will one day, mm. how it will affect uh, air travel because and the prices, if you think how cheap it is to fly between mm. England and, and Ireland. Mm. I wonder if that will sort of skyrocket. Um, not with that. Ryanair, not with Ryanair, mate. They'll always keep those prices low for us. I'm one of the biggest. I love Ryanair. I think they're class. Love I love them. the music when it plays when you've arrived on time. I hate I that. Actually, just this has gone off piece there, but one thing I can't stand on flights is people that clap when you land. <laughs> Fuck yeah. That, that's great. <laughs> I hate flying. Just Southampton. Um, yeah, in a nutshell, confident. I think we'll see a good game. Uh, 15 kickoff as well, lunchtime. Just in time perfect. to ruin your weekend if we lose. Perfect, yeah. At least get out, out of the way. What's worse? Having an early kickoff on a Saturday and losing, and then having your entire weekend not down the drain, but you feel pretty pissed off about it. 
Or do you wait all weekend for that late Sunday evening kickoff and lunch? Oh, yeah, that's true. Saturday Saturday lunchtime every day of the week. Because yeah. by, by, by Sunday morning, you're sort of over it. You sort of have to move on with your life and go, you know what, it is what it is. Um, I used to have a really unhealthy relationship with football. When I used to go on the regular, back on, it was like 10 years ago when I was 18, 19. Um, and it's, this is before they put cap, the cap, the ticket cap on, on away tickets. So I used to cost mm. me, this is why I think, this is why I stopped going in the end so much because I couldn't afford it. Cause it was like mm. 50 quid. A, you know, obviously Arsenal always category A. Mm. But like, you know, we'd lose on the Saturday. I'd be 120, 130 quid down and I'd be in a right old mood until the following weekend. Wow. And it, it wasn't healthy. I mean, I was only young though, mate. So, and yeah, it was a first time I, I was regularly going to the Arsenal because, yeah. you know, I, I could go on my own and, and stuff like that. So it's all part of it. It's all part of it. It is all part of it. And I think I was only thinking about this recently because obviously, as you know, on social media, we're going for Arsenal stories and stuff like that. And I think all of us look back to that kind of peak area. Like for you, 18, 19, that's the same for me. I was, you so, I was even thinking I'm, back then I was so... I think you're a bit more carefree. I was so much more emotionally involved in Arsenal than I probably am now. God, yeah. Maybe it's just because when you get older, you get a bit more perspective and you think about things a little bit differently. And I think that's just why when we're all reading these Arsenal stories, we all we all go back to saying sort of our kid mentality, the, the nostalgia of how we fell in love with the club. It's nothing to do with, you know, the fundamentals of how the clubs run, is it? Really, it's to do with a lot of people said how much they just love the shirt when it when they started supporting it or how they were influenced by somebody else. Well, Steve, I think we'd probably leave it there, shall we? Um, short and short and sweet one this week uh, due to other commitments. Yeah, man. Short and sweet. Straight to the point. But look, as always, both of us just want to thank you for, for joining us on the latest podcast. You know, we really hope you enjoyed the listen. Um, we'll be back after the Southampton game. As always, we don't know when that's going to be because we never discuss these things. We just roll with the times and just get it out as and when we can. Um, but look, let's hope for a, a win on Saturday. Let's hope we get through to the next round of the FA Cup. Um, and yeah, we'll catch you after that game. All the best. Cheers. Cheers, mate. See you later. <laughs>